welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, hey, my name is Pastor Terry. I am the uh, next-gen pastor here at River Valley Church. And I get to preach live to you today about uh, relationships, singleness, and dating. And I promise it'll be a lot better than that opener was. I promise it will be. Man, I am the next-gen pastor here. Uh, and you guys got to know that you have some of the best next-gen pastors. And Pastor Matt and then Pastor Cody, who's back and go kids. Come on. They're awesome. <clears throat> It's such a privilege to lead them and, and just to see what God's doing in the next generation. As you know, and as you see with that slide, it's about relationships today. And for the next uh, few weeks, as we get into everything about singleness and dating and marriage and all those other things. And so they're like, you know what? What should the people at the campus preach on? Singleness and dating. It's like, come on, man. Like, but here's the thing. Everybody's going to get something out of this because relationships matter. And one of the most important relationships in my life outside of Jesus is my relationship with my wife and with my daughter. I believe we have a picture. You can go ahead and put that up on the screen. There they are. That's my wife, Christina. That's my daughter, Avalie. Uh, and we're currently in the process of adopting another little girl from China. So we're super excited. Avalie is like the loudest little Asian I've ever met in my entire life. I'm not going to lie. She's just amazing. And she loves Jesus and she loves to worship. And, uh, and I remember, my wife, well, my wife and I, we've been married for about 15 and a half years. So it's, that's, that's awesome too, because her parents didn't want her to marry me. And I said, so what? Watch me. Watch me get your girl. So um, we've been dating that long. And I remember the first day uh, that we met, I walked, I saw her worshiping in church and I'm like, oh Jesus, I'm going to marry this girl. And so I walked up to her and the first thing I said to her was, is it hot in here or is that the Holy Spirit burning inside of you? <laughs> I was like, what? And she looked at me, she shook her head at me. And I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me try again. You must be a fisher of men because you just reeled me in. Come on. Does that work? That doesn't work? Okay, your real name must be Jericho because I'm about to march around you seven times and make you fall for me. So, okay, I'm done. No more, no more pickup lines. Some of you are like, that's really good. I'm going to use that again. So we started dating, and after a couple months of dating, I, I got in this place where I was getting cold feet. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the, the manly thing, and I'm going to email her and break up with her. So I emailed Christina, and I said, hey, you know what? I just feel like it's, it's God, it's God it's, and, and he wants, doesn't want us together. You know, when you're being a punk, sometimes it's easy to use God as, God as an excuse. So I didn't get a response back, and I saw her in church the next day, and she pretended she didn't get the email. So I'm like, you know what? I just need to do the right thing. And I'm going to call her and break up with her. So I called her on the phone and, and she picks up. She's like, hello. And I said, hey, Christina. And she's like, hey, how you doing, babe? I'm like, I'm doing so good. How you doing? She's like, good. I'm like, hey, you know, I was, I was in prayer and uh, I was spending time seeking the face of God. And, and I really believe, and, and this wasn't true. I was just trying to get out of it. And I was like, I really believe that, that God has somebody else for us. And this might not be his will. And it was silence on the other side of the phone. And I'm like, I just broke her heart. Oh. And then she's like, what? What did you just say to me? I said, I think we should broke up. No, 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 no. You're not breaking up with me over the phone or even over that sorry email that you tried sending me. I've been dating you for two months and I haven't put my emotions in this for nothing. So I'm going to hang up the phone and you're going to call me back and we're going to pretend this, this conversation didn't happen. Click. And she hangs up the phone on me. I pick up the phone. Beep, 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 beep. Hello? Hey, Terry, how you doing? Hi, good. And we've never broken up since. That was it. 15 years later, we're still together. 
Guys with no game, there's hope. Trust me, there's, there is hope. See, we're talking about relationships today, and we're talking about how important they are to Jesus. See, our relationship, our most important relationship is to Jesus, and it says this in John 15, 5. It says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What I love about this scripture is it talks to us about how it's important to stay in Jesus, not take vacations from God when we want to do our own thing, but stay in him. You see, there's two things I believe in the church world that people hate hearing about, their money and relationships. Those are two of the things that people in the church kind of try to do on their own without God. But he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's similar to an apple tree. I can't go to an apple tree and cut off a branch and carry that branch back to my house and say, produce fruit, produce fruit. It doesn't matter how well I take care of it. It doesn't matter how well I fertilize it. It doesn't matter how much water I put in it. That branch is going to die apart from the tree. And for us, many of us, we separate ourselves from Jesus, the vine, And we take ourselves, the branch, and we go try to have our own kinds of relationships with different people our own way, realizing that apart from him, those relationships can't be fruitful. They just can't be fruitful. And then we go back to Jesus and say, God, why? Why is this relationship so hard? Well, you separated yourself from the true vine, the one who nourishes those branches. And today I want to challenge us is before we talk about dating or before we talk about singleness, this is for everybody today. We are supposed to stay in Jesus if we're going to bear fruit. I think many of us, we get to this place in our life to where we want to follow Jesus. And there's times we take vacations from God to go pursue our own thing. And then we go back to God and we repent. And then we leave God and go do our own thing. And then we go back to God and repent. And you have to understand, you won't bear fruit that way. I love how God says, you must remain in me. You can't cut yourself off of the vine and go do your own thing. You got to stay in Jesus to bear fruit in your life. And so if I'm pursuing relationships in my life, dating relationships or just relationships with friend and family, but I don't attach those relationships to Jesus, they will not be fruitful relationships. And so we have to understand this is really, truly, honestly about God. And it's not just about finding the right one, but it's about God. Because let's be honest, finding the quote unquote right one is a myth. See, the truth is, is that there isn't one person that God created for you and only you, and it's your job to find them. And if you don't, bad for you. You're going to be single the rest of your life. That's not what it's about. Because in reality, is that there's thousands of people in this world that you could marry and date and have a happy life. God knows who that person is. See, your job isn't to find the right one. Your job is to remain in Jesus and become the right one. Okay? I'm going to say that one more time. Somebody like that over there. Your job isn't to find the right one because you're going to waste all your Delta Sky miles trying to do that. No, your job is to remain in Jesus and become the right one. What if the only thing that's keeping you from finding the right one is that you're not the right one yet? Like, I would hate that. I would hate for that to happen in my life. And those of you who are still married, I'm still married. It doesn't mean that once you get married, you stop trying to become the right one. I'm still trying to be the right one for my wife, no matter how long we're married. I'm still trying to remain in Jesus and be close to Jesus so I can stay the right one for her. And that's what this is all about in relationships is staying in Jesus because honestly, trying to be the right one is truly the myth. And let's be honest, it's important to ask ourselves a question as well. What makes us so sure that we're right for the right one? See, for many of us, our version of the quote-unquote right one is the best version of what we see around us or even the best version of what we've dated in the past. See, we make lists according to our past without giving a thought towards our future. I hear all the time 
that single people are told to make a list of what they're looking for in the mate. But the first problem is we really don't know what we're looking for. And the second problem is that we don't have a list for ourselves so that we could be a good spouse. I remember before I married Christina, I remember after I had put a ring on her finger and I told her parents, ha, no, I didn't do that. But after I put a ring on her finger, I remember making my list for myself because I knew the husband I wanted to be for her. And I would know that throughout the years that that list would continue to grow and would continue to grow and would continue to grow. And to this day, I still have that list. Why? Because it's not about what she can become for me, but it's about what I can become for her. Because Jesus did that first. Jesus fulfilled every requirement that the Bible had for him to be our Lord and Savior and to draw us close to himself. He didn't say, hey, you, you need to become good enough for me before I die on the cross for your sins. He didn't say, hey, you, you need to stop sinning and you need to look better and you need to attend more church services before I die on the cross. And in the same way, I didn't say that to my wife. You need to become this, 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 and this before I even consider marrying you. No, no, no. We need to take the posture of Christ. And we need to continue making that list for ourselves so that we could be a good spouse. And these are things in the list that need to align with God's word because believe it or not, part of the list that we need to be making for ourselves is already written in his word. Galatians 5 is a great place to start in creating a list for yourself. The Bible says in Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And single ladies, if a guy doesn't exhibit one of these, kick him to the curb. Let's be honest, okay? If it ain't happening now, it ain't gonna happen after you're married. Guys, if a girl isn't exhibiting this before you're married, it's not gonna happen when you magically put a ring on her finger. You need to go in Jesus. And when we abide in Jesus Christ, remember it says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. This is the fruit the Bible's Jesus is talking about right here. This is it. If somebody is angry and they're impatient and they're always competing with you that you're dating, that's a good sign that they're not remaining in Christ. Because the fruit of remaining in Christ is listed here. And that should be on our personal list for ourselves as well. Then once you have Galatians 5 down, it's important to hop on over to Romans 12. It says this in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, we're always being formed at all times. And we're always being formed in regards to how we view our relationships in our life. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, you're either being transformed or you're being conformed. But you're always being formed. Many of us are like, oh, I'm on a plateau right now. I'm not going up. I'm not going down. I'm always on a plateau. That's a myth too. There's no such thing as a plateau in your walk with God. You're just always being formed. Everything you watch, everything you say, everything you listen to, everything you do is either a transforming decision or a conforming decision. And if I'm sitting on coast, I'm not coasting in my walk with God. I'm actually being formed, to, conformed to looking like the world. It's something that we have to constantly pursue Jesus to constantly be transformed into his likeness to become the people that our relationships need us to be. And that's why it is so important, again, to remain in Jesus with absolutely, positively everything we have. We have to be Christ followers who allow our thoughts to be focused on Christ and to follow his perfect plan for our lives. So what can we do? Well, I believe there's three things that are important for everybody to do when you're pursuing a relationship and you're looking for somebody to marry or you're looking to strengthen the relationship that you're in now because these things don't stop once you get married. If anything, the stakes are higher once you begin get married. See, the first thing that's important for us to do 
as believers is to guard our heart. It's very important to guard our heart. It says this in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything. Somebody say everything. It affects everything that you do and it's the wellspring of your life. I love how the Bible says, guard, doesn't say guard your heart because it affects some of the things you do. No, it affects everything you do. The Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when somebody says something and they say, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That was in your heart if it came out of your mouth. We got to get to a point to where we guard that heart. We got to make sure that nothing poisons that heart, that no bad ideas that go against the will of God fall into our heart. We have to guard our heart because from our heart come our actions. There are so many people who said, I didn't mean to do that, or I didn't mean to say that, or I didn't mean to lash out at you, or I didn't mean to be unkind to you. When in reality, if you're saying it and you're acting it, it's in you. And that's why the only thing that we can do to preserve our relationships is to be and to remain in Christ, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by pursuing him for the fruit of the spirit in our lives. That's the only thing that's going to salvage our relationships. And marriage counseling is important. Premarital counseling is incredibly important, but it's not going to work if you're not stuck to Jesus first. That's why it's so important to go after him and to guard our hearts as well. See, what do we do with our valuables? We guard them. What do I do with my house? I put a security system on it. We guard the things that are valuable to us. We guard the things that matter to us. See, the crown jewels of England are protected by bomb-proof glass, plus 22 soldiers, plus 100 hidden cameras, plus 38 more security guards. And that's how we ought to guard our hearts as well. Why? Because it's a wellspring of our life. And it's the most valuable thing that we have. See, this is a picture of a wellspring. Wellspring is settled in the middle of nature and it's fed from a spring underneath so that all the water is fresh that comes up. And often what enemies would do to try to to, uh, take over towns or take over countries is they would try to poison the water supply and the water supply, if it comes from the wellspring, is endless. So they knew that if they can poison a wellspring, they knew that if they can poison a water supply, that the people would die, that nature would die, that the livestock would die, that it would affect everything around it. And that's what the Bible says, out of your heart. Guard your heart because it affects everything you do. It is the wellspring of your life. And there are so many times that our heart goes unguarded. It goes unguarded when we tune out and we turn on Netflix. It goes unguarded when we scroll through Instagram. It goes unguarded when we gossip on the phone. It goes unguarded when we hear thoughts and ideas from other people, but we don't let it run through the filter of God's word in our life. And if it's unguarded, see that wellspring, it has no intention of becoming impure, but if you don't put a guard in front of the wellspring, then something can come into it and poison it, even though that wellspring doesn't want to become poisoned. And you might not intend to become poisoned, but if you do not guard your heart in your relationships, if you do not guard your heart with how much of your heart you give away before God is telling you to commit, then somebody could come in and poison that wellspring over and over and over again until it affects everything in your life until it becomes toxic, until it begins to affect your relationships negatively. Many of the bad struggles that we have as we go through relationships were because somebody poisoned our wellspring 10 years ago. And all it's done is has been poisoning our whole life before that. And there's no way we can set rewind in our life. But what we can do is go to Jesus, the one that created our heart and say, Jesus, give me a new heart that is completely pure, that is completely rooted in you. 
with absolutely everything I have. And today it's important if you have left the guard down on your heart, if you have kept your heart unguarded and you have allowed things to poison it, I want to challenge you today, guard your heart. To say the prayer, and it's, a, and it's a frustrating prayer to pray because you know sometimes what it means, but to say, God, guard my heart and convict me deeply if I let my guard down. And there's sometimes I'll watch a TV and God convicts me because I'm letting my guard down by what I, what I watch or what comes up and I have to turn the channel or I have to turn it off. Or things I say and God convicts me deeply because I don't want the wellspring of my heart to become poisoned so that my daughter's life becomes poisoned so that my wife's life becomes poisoned. I have to become an individual that guards my heart with absolutely everything I have. See, that's why the next thing that you do outside of guarding your heart and in becoming the right one for the person in your life is also protecting your purity. Now, this is a conversation that really can get awkward, okay? So we're not gonna get awkward with protecting our purity today, but we are gonna talk about how important it is because it's linked to guarding our heart. See, our purity is tied to God's plan for our life. I'm gonna say that again. Our purity in our life is tied to God's plan for our life. I can't be impure and still expect for God's plan to be resident in my life. You can't live with God's will for your life and have a fully different idea about dating outside of what God says. It's absolutely impossible. It's like serving two gods. You can't be passionate about Jesus and also be passionate about an impure relationship outside of the confines of marriage. And this is for a lot of you today who are dating or who will date. A lot of you where you want to give your emotions away, where you do want to give yourself away in a relationship outside of the confines of marriage. And you have to understand along with that comes impurity and along with that comes you forfeiting the plan of God in your life. And many people, they start to shut down when they hear this because they think, man, if you're telling me how I can date and what I can and can't do with the person I'm dating, I'm tuning out. But you have to understand, and it's very important that God's word is not up for debate. We can't take pieces of God's word and throw out the rest when it's convenient for us. We have to align ourselves with the whole truth. And we have to stop asking ourselves the question, how far is too far? And I know every Christian asset, I have students come up to me. I have young adults come up to me. I have emerging leaders come up to me. I have pastors who are single come up to me. And they ask me the question, how far is too far to go with the person I'm dating? How far is too far? And there's a million different answers for this, when in reality, that's the wrong question to ask. And here's why. Because if there's 200 people in this room, everybody has a line that they won't cross. The problem is that line is in 200 different places. And so if I draw a line on my morality, and I draw my, a line on my, my, on my purity, and I say, here's a line, I won't cross this line, you gotta know that God is over here and your relationship with God is over here. In the middle is a line that you won't cross. And over here is a relationship that's completely impure and away from God. The problem with not crossing a line is we try to get too close to it. But know this, if I'm with God and I don't want to cross the line and I get close to the line, I'm still walking away from God in order to do it. The line is a myth that the enemy sows into our life to make sure that we walk away from God no matter what. And there's lines in our life. And some of us, what's a line to cross with other things in my life? Understand that there is no line. That line is an absolute myth. And when it comes to our purity, the important thing is to stay in Jesus because it says in Ephesians 5.3, let there not be a hint, a hint of sexual sin in my people for this is improper. I love how it says that. Let there not even be a hint of it. It doesn't say let there not be a report let there not be a scandal. 
let there not be an actual act of, of this kind of impure sin in my people. But it says, let there not even be a hint of it. If somebody even sniffs it out, if somebody even thinks of it, if somebody even hears it, we've already gotten too far away from God. He says, let there not be a hint of this. Why? Because the minute you walk away from God and indulge yourself in an impure relationship, he, so he's the one that you stop worshiping and your relationship is the thing that you start worshiping. And the last thing I want to do is make my relationship an idol because God shares his glory with nobody. That's the thing. God's wrath is against people who commit idolatry. And I don't want to make my wife an idol before God so she becomes a subject of God's wrath. Guys, ladies, if you're dating and you want to protect the person you're dating from the wrath of God, stop worshiping them in the relationship and go back to worshiping God. doesn't mean you have to stop dating. It just means you worship the right thing in your life. And it's so important to understand that. Many of us in a, in a, in a marriage relationship, it might not be an impure thing because you're married, but it could be something else. Understand this, there is no line. So stay close to Jesus to make sure that your, minute, your, your relationship and your life can be blessed. It says again in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 19, flee from sexual impurity. Whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple, not a shack. And it's important for us to go to God and say, God, whatever I've done in my life, whatever I've said, whatever I've seen, whatever I've heard, God, I know that you could restore me. God, I know that you can change my life. It's like extreme home makeover, like God edition. Like he can come in with that sledgehammer and say, move that bus and change your life and change your heart and restore you back to the person that he originally created you to be. Our job is to say, God, I'm ready for that to happen. You created me to be a temple and I've downgraded you to a cardboard box, God. That isn't it. I want to be a temple that your Holy Spirit can dwell in, God. I want to affect the world around me, God. I want to change the lives of my family and friends, God. So whatever you got to do to bring that renovation into my life, I am ready because you have created me to be a temple and I'm going to live that out day after day after day after day. Relationships are vitally important. Today, many of us might have made some impure decisions or it might be in an impure relationship with somebody, know that you have not gone too far for God to restore you into the temple that he's created you to be. We have to guard our heart. We absolutely have to guard our heart. And that doesn't stop after the ring is on the finger. We have to protect our purity because God's plan is tied to the purity in our life. It's incredibly important that we do that. But as the worship team comes up, I want to end with this. You have to know that guarding your heart and protecting your purity will help you to pursue Jesus unhindered. I can't pursue Jesus if my heart isn't guarded. I can't go after Jesus if I'm not protecting my purity. But if I've got those two things down in my life, then I can run after Jesus unhindered. I can go after him with absolutely, positively everything I have in my life. Because when you get into a relationship, it's truly not about pursuing a person, but pursuing Jesus. And in pursuing Jesus, we will discover the person that we were meant to be with. I want, I want to, I remember praying this over Christina before I even met her. God, I pray that my future wife is so deep and immersed in you, God that I have to go to you to find her. That's what I want to happen. And that's what we have to let happen in our lives. We can't go hunting for other people. There is no swipe right on the will of God. You just say yes to God and pursue him and let him go after the person that you're supposed to be with. And so I went after God and I did find my wife. See, we don't complete each other in this relationship. Jesus completes us. 
And it's in a marriage relationship and it's in a dating relationship. It's the same for both. I don't go to Christina. I'm like, I found my other half. You complete me. No, two halves don't make a whole. Two people found in Jesus make a whole. And that's why it's so important to pursue Jesus with everything you have. It's like, Jesus, everything I want, everything that you've ever created for me, your purpose for me, God, it's all found in you. But this dating relationship, that's found over here, God. Right over here. Right over here in the shady area. No, 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 no. If you find your purpose in God, then you find everything in God. Well, what happens if I go to God and I don't find my spouse? Talk to God about that. Don't cut yourself off from the true vine just to go find something that was never meant for you. You'll be more miserable with something that wasn't meant for you than with somebody than being with God. Trust God with absolutely, positively everything you have. The right one, once you find them, is going to be a reflection of who Jesus is. Period. I wanted my wife, my future wife at the time, to reflect Christ. And I always knew that somebody wasn't for me if they didn't reflect Jesus. No matter how good looking they were, I mean, no matter, I mean it's not about the hot and the heathen, okay? It doesn't matter. What it was really about was about who, if they reflected Christ. And that's what I wanted. And I would look at somebody, and if I would be interested in somebody or they'd be interested in me, the first question I would ask is, do they reflect Christ? And if they didn't, I wouldn't even give it a second thought. And when I found my wife, she reflected Jesus, but it wasn't just a one moment thing. She kept reflecting Christ. She kept reflecting Christ. She kept reflecting Christ. And as I stayed and remained in God, and as she stayed and remained in God, God brought us together. It's one of those important things that we have to understand with anything in our life. And today, we still pursue Jesus. We still go after him. Because it's the only thing that keeps our marriage after 15 and a half years together is that we've gone after Jesus. Look, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not intentional intentional enough to keep our marriage together. But what I can do is I can go after the one that has designed our marriage to stay together and he will make it work. Before I met Christina, I had no idea what God wanted for me. So I just stayed in God until he brought her to me. And that was it. So wherever we're at today, we might be in a place where we've let the guard on our heart down and we've been conformed to look more like the world and transformed to look more like him. We gotta get to that place where we say, God, take all the impurities out of me. Make my heart pure. Give me a new heart so that I could live for you. Others of us, we might be in a place where we haven't protected our purity. We said, that's just a TV show, whatever. It's not like real life. But we've allowed these things to get into our heart unguarded and to poison the well. And then we go to church and we say, God, let your plan happen for my life when we're not engaging in this plan any other time. And we need to say, Lord, I I want to protect this purity. I want to align my heart with you. The Bible says, flee from sexual immorality. Run from it. Don't just walk away from it. Don't just turn a channel, but run from it. Because a slow walk doesn't get you away. And you you might be in this place today to where you're single and you've indulged. It might be something you looked at on a screen. It might be something that you've done. But understand, you can't fall too far away from Jesus for him to restore you back into the temple that he created you to be. And finally, you might have those two things down, but you got to know, you got to pursue Jesus. The right one isn't found anywhere else except in him. And I got to pursue Jesus in my marriage to stay the right one for my wife. I got to keep going after him. I got to be more passionate about my walk with God than I am about anything else in my life. And I want to challenge us, whether we're married or whether we're looking for a mate, that we pursue Jesus with absolutely everything that we have in our life. The fruit has to be evident. Jesus is the one that fills the void. So today, let's step into the only relationship that truly matters. 
wherever you're at in your walk with God in this place today, we can restore it. So all across this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, out of respect for what God's doing in the place, if there's something in this message that spoke to you and God is talking to you about one of these few things, about guarding your heart, about regaining your purity or about pursuing him, if that's you, just lift a hand in the air now so we can pray. Awesome. Hands going up. Today we're going to pray, and when we say amen, we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to go after Jesus. We finished by talking about pursuing him, and so when we say amen, we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to go after him with everything we have because he is so worthy of it. Jesus, I thank you today for the hands that went up. Lord, we want our lives to be found in you. We want our lives to be rooted in you. And this conversation that we're having about singleness and dating and relationships and what that could look like, God, Lord, we have to understand that the one who set the boundaries, the one that set the stage, the one that set the bar for relationships was you. You didn't ask us to be better before you came into relationship with us. You took the steps to step into relationship with us. And God, we want to do the same thing in our life. And God, many of us, we got to guard that heart again. We got to pursue you again with everything we have. God, we got to be those people that don't allow these impure things to poison that well, expecting a poisonous well to nourish our relationships around us. God, let us be pure people. God, help us to guard our purity. Help us to run from sexual immorality. God, we can still live in it even though we're married, God. So help us to run from it because we want to remain pure. We want to remain aligned with you. God, your plan for our life is found. 100% in keeping our lives pure in you. And finally, God, help us to never stop pursuing you with everything we have. God, we want to go after you. God, we want to know you. God, we want to hear your heart. God, we want you to be able to speak to us, God. God, we want you to be able to use us to impact the kingdom. And so, God, we pray in light of relationships that you help us to do all these things. God, I know that you're changing hearts and I know that you're changing minds and today we have to do something with this conversation that we just had and I pray that we run to you with it. God, help us to abide in you. Lord, you are the vine, we are the branches. We don't wanna just cut ourselves off and come back, cut ourselves off and come back, but God, we want to remain in you so that we can have that fruit in our lives. God, we thank you today and we praise you for everybody that raised their hand in your name and everybody said, amen. Let's stand up and let's give it up for everybody that lifted their hands to Jesus today. Here we go.